morning. If we haven't met yet, my name is Nate, and I'm the family minister here at Vera Christian Church. Uh, it means I've got the incredible honor of serving your kids' ministry and student ministry volunteer teams as we minister to kids and students and their families. This means that I'm the fun one on staff because I've got access to Nerf guns and Legos and bounce houses, pretty good stuff. This also means I'm the one most likely to frustrate our financial assistant, Luann, because I'm the last one to turn in my receipts on time. Sorry, Lou. Love you. Uh, our preaching minister, Steve, is on a much-deserved vacation this week, and so today I've got the honor of bringing the message from God's Word. We're currently in a message series called Family Matters, Love Matters. We're looking at the reality that the best shot that we've got at having a flourishing family is by incorporating biblical love into how we interact with each other and how we interact with the world around us. Our springboard text for this series is 1 Corinthians 13. If you've been a Christian for a little while or if you've even just been to a wedding recently, you're familiar with this passage. 1 Corinthians 13, starting in verse 4, it says, Love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. It does not dishonor others, it's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. We read the scripture passage at most weddings because we understand that love is the foundation and the lifeblood of marriage and that marriage is the beginning of a family. I like to think of weddings as a cement pouring. Very romantic, I know. No, not the cement pouring done by the mafia, though it might feel like that sometimes. <laughs> Talking about the cement pouring being done by home builders as they lay the foundation for a new home. There's a lot of preparation that goes into the event. Plans are made, money is paid. It can get a little hectic and messy and fun sometimes. And in the end, a foundation has been created for a home. A concrete foundation made of love and commitment. Biblical love is that concrete. It's reliable, it's strong, and it's true. And it is absolutely necessary in our families. We read 1 Corinthians 13 at weddings because it gives us a great clear picture of what love looks like. Things like patience, kindness, humility, honesty, forgiveness, courtesy, and our focus for this morning, generosity. A helpful starting place for us is to define generosity. What do we mean by generosity? The way I define it is generosity is a lifestyle of consistent acts of taking something that belongs to me and giving it to somebody that it doesn't belong to and who frankly may or may not deserve it for their benefit, expecting nothing in return. Notice that generosity isn't just a single act, right? That's charity. Generosity is a lifestyle. Also notice that giving to get something back isn't generosity either. That's a transaction. That's a trip to Walmart. Generosity and giving are a natural outflow of love for others. Missionary Amy Carmichael once said, one can, love with, or one can give without loving, but one can never love without giving. It's possible to give out of a sense of guilt or in search of the spotlight or to gain some kind of fame or maybe even a tax deduction. 
It's possible to give without love, but it is absolutely impossible to love someone without experiencing a desire to want to give to them, to show your love in forms of generosity. There are a ton of great examples of generosity throughout time, many of which, frankly, come from people that don't follow Jesus at all. There are people in this world who will give away more money than we will all make combined. One of the things that's really interesting is that generosity isn't uniquely Christian, but Christians should be uniquely generous. Let me say that again this morning. Generosity isn't uniquely Christian, but Christians should be uniquely generous. Paul wrote a second letter to the church in Corinth. We call that letter 2 Corinthians. Pretty good with names, right? In it, he's encouraging the church to be generous, and he shares with them this example of the Macedonian churches and their unique generosity. We find that in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, starting in verse 1. Paul writes this, And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord and then by the will of God also to us. So we urged Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love that we've kindled in you, see that you also excel in the grace of giving. In what seems like a guilt trip at first glance, Paul is actually tapping into something that scientists are now discovering to be true. In that, generosity is contagious. Generosity is contagious. Oxytocin is a hormone in your body produced by your hypothalamus. Anybody thought about your hypothalamus today? Uh, It's pretty great because it's responsible for giving you the warm fuzzies, for lowering stress and anxiety. It's been dubbed the love hormone or the cuddle chemical, kind of fun. Oxytocin also helps to build human bonds. It bonds us together relationally. When a woman's in labor, not only is her body producing a human being, a baby, it's also producing tons of oxytocin. That oxytocin helps to create the bond between mother and child. Scientists have discovered that acts of kindness and generosity release oxytocin in our bodies. What's really incredible is that it doesn't matter whether we're the one giving the gift, receiving the gift, or if we're just watching an act of generosity it releases oxytocin. And that oxytocin in us makes us feel great and it encourages us to be generous as well. It is absolutely no accident that the word miser is very related to the word miserable. Paul wasn't aware of oxytocin when he wrote about the Macedonian church and their generosity, but their example, in spite of their poverty, had an impact on the church there in Corinth and 2,000 years later has an impact on us today because generosity is contagious. Another lesson that we can learn from this passage is that generosity isn't just financial. You might be sitting in here this morning thinking, you know, I'd, I'd love to be more generous, but I'm on a fixed income. Or I'm living paycheck to paycheck and I'm just trying to make ends meet. 
And Nate, I'm no Elon Musk, right? If God would just bless me with more, I'd be more generous. Well, first of all, I'd like to humbly challenge that idea with the scripture that we find in Luke 16, 10. It says, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. I also want to remind you that generosity is a lifestyle, not a level of income. Generosity is a lifestyle. Having more money in and of itself will not make you more generous. The way we are with what we have is the way we are if we have more or less. You see, Paul makes a clear note that the Macedonian church was poor. Not just poor, extremely poor. There were no big spenders or fat check writers in this group, right? But they found incredible joy in giving what they were able to give. One of my main points for this morning, I hope that you take this away, is that God doesn't want what you don't have. He wants you to trust him and be faithful with what you do have. So what do you have? I like to think about it in three T's. First T is treasure, treasure. Yes, you have treasure, right? I'm not talking about pirate's treasure, right? Though some of you might have some of that. Um, And you've probably diversified your investments into silver and gold recently. Uh, But treasure includes our money, it's stuff in our bank accounts, investments in our portfolios, assets like our homes, our cars, our possessions, our land, our collectibles. One of my favorite descriptions of the early church, this is such a beautiful picture of love in action. It's in Acts 2, 44 through 45. It says, And all who believed were together, and they had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Members of the early church, they looked at what they had, their treasure, and they saw opportunities to help others, not objects to hoard for themselves. One of the reasons that we struggle to be generous with our treasure is something called a scarcity mindset. Scarcity mindset. It's a dominating worldview that there's only so much of anything, right? Especially in regards to money and resources, our treasure. And that we need to accumulate as much as we can and store it up for ourselves so that we can use it on ourselves. This mindset, it gets especially worse in times of economic instability like we're experiencing right now. In times of inflation and economic instability, it's natural for us to want to store up, to scale back on our generosity. But Christians are called to live generously regardless of the times that we live in. When we are generous with our resources in unstable times, it shows the world around us that we serve the God who created everything with his voice. And that he is the one that truly owns everything. And that he is the one who supplies all of our needs. It also shows them that generosity may not be uniquely Christian, but Christians should be uniquely generous. Being generous definitely applies to our money and resources, but that's not the whole picture. There are many areas of our life where we can show generosity in. Another area is with our talents, our talents. Recently, my family and I were watching the movie Encanto. Encanto. I'd tell you about it, but we don't talk about Bruno. The movie follows the Madrigal family, a family in Colombia that through the gift of a magic candle have all developed special abilities, all except for the main character, Mirabelle. It causes a lot of frustration for Mirabelle. 
Uh, It makes her feel like she's left out, that she's not special, that she even starts to question her place in the family. By the end of the movie, spoiler alert here, she, along with her family, discover that while she may not be able to lift a house like her sister Louisa, she may not have superhuman hearing like her cousin Dolores, but Mirabelle does have the gift of things like bravery and grit and determination. The whole family learns that everyone is gifted in different ways and that those gifts are not your identity. Paul, in 1 Corinthians 12, he shows us that God gives various gifts to us through the Holy Spirit. And also shows that we have various talents and abilities that we've learned over the years. What gifts and talents do you have that you could generously use to help others? Maybe you're really good with kids. Maybe you like to build things. Maybe you're great with numbers. Maybe you're super organized and you like that show, Get Organized on Netflix. Anybody watch Get Organized? Maybe you like to garden. Maybe you're a master on the grill, some of my favorite people. Maybe you play an instrument or sing like the worship team. Maybe you're a great listener. Maybe like Mirabelle, your gift isn't so obvious, but it is absolutely there nonetheless. We've all got various gifts and talents that are both God-given and trained up over the years. And we can be generous and help others and help the church as well. Where do your gifts and talents intersect with the kingdom of God and the needs of people? Being generous with your gifts and your talents is also going to include this last T, and that area is time, time. Money and resources, they can be earned. Gifts and talents, they can be learned. But time is an area of your life that is fixed. No matter what you do, no matter how rich you are, you cannot buy a single second more of time. Once it's gone, it's gone. James 4, 13 through 14 says, Come now, you who say today or tomorrow will go into such and such a town, spend a year there and trade and make a profit, yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Doesn't that make you feel better about yourself? It's like, oh gosh. So with that in mind, how are you using your time? How are you using your time? Do we see the value of each day and have a desire to want to use our time generously? I firmly believe that some of the most generous people here in our church are not the people that write big checks, but the people who serve long hours. Time is our most valuable resource. Elon Musk can buy a lot of things, but he will never be able to buy another day of time. The women rocking babies in the nursery right now, the guy holding the door as you walked in, the middle school leader who's counseling middle school students, they are living out generosity as they take their most valuable resource, time, and they use it to help others and to further God's kingdom in this world. In no way do I want to minimize financial generosity, but truthfully, sometimes it's easier to write a check than it is to show up and serve. If you want to be a more generous person today, sign up to serve on a ministry team here at Vera Christian. You'll be a blessing to others, and you'll absolutely be blessed in return. Remember, God doesn't want what you don't have. He wants you to be faithful and trust him with what you do have. So what do you have? Paul wrote that the Macedonians gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. How is that possible? 
How is it possible to give beyond our ability? I think it's possible because generosity taps into God's math. As we give, whether that be financially or by using our talents or by taking and dedicating some of our time and serving, God has this miraculous way of multiplying what we give. I've asked my friend Morgan to come up and help me this morning. So Morgan, come on up. I've got a little illustration, simple way to think about this. Everybody welcome Morgan to the stage. Thank you, Morgan. All right, so this piece of paper represents what we've been talking about, our, our resources, our time, our talents. And so Morgan wants to give some of what she has to God. So I'm going to ask Morgan to cut off a corner for me. I'll hold this. All right, thank you, Morgan. So you're going to give that to God, give a, a portion of what you have. And so Morgan, how many corners do you have now? Five, right? Interesting. So you started with four, you gave some, and now she's got five. You gave one corner to me, but truthfully, how many corners do I have? I have three, right? Pretty interesting how it starts to multiply. Okay, let's do that again. Let's give another corner. So let's give that one. All right. Great stuff. Okay, so now you've given two corners, but I have six. And Morgan, how many do you have? Six as well, right? Pretty amazing. What this is illustrating is it's showing that, like one of my favorite, thank you, Morgan, I appreciate your help. You can go on back to your family. Thank you, everybody. Thank Morgan. What this is illustrating is, is what we see in one of my favorite miracles of Jesus. On a countryside with a huge group of people, a little boy, he brought five loaves and two fish, barely enough for him. But he took what he had and he gave it to Jesus. He put it in the hands of our Lord and he multiplied it. God has this amazing way of taking what little we have and multiplying it. God can do more with what you give him than you can do with what you keep for yourself. Because generosity taps into God's math. Generosity is a lifestyle of consistent acts of taking something that belongs to you and giving it to somebody that it doesn't belong to and who frankly may or may not deserve it for their benefit, expecting nothing in return. The most perfect example of this is Jesus on the cross. When we are born again in the waters of baptism, he takes what belongs to him, his righteousness, his perfection, his life, and he gives it to us, people who frankly don't deserve it at all. Our generosity, it flows out of realizing how generous God is and how generous he has been with us. If you are in Christ this morning, you've been born again into a, a family, the family of God, and in his generosity, he has lavished grace on us because that is what he does. This is the way God's family operates. It's what he calls us to as well in full view of how generous he has been with us. You see, the truth of it is, is even hidden in the word generous. Generosity is derived from the Latin word generosus, which means of noble birth. Of noble birth. Generosity and genealogy are linguistic cousins. When we live generously, we are living out our noble heritage. 
As Christians, we're sons and daughters of the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the generous and gracious God. Are you a part of the family this morning? Would you like to be? Don't leave this morning until you talk to one of us. I'll be available after the service if you'd like to talk more about what that looks like. Today, today you can be adopted into the family of God and embrace a genealogy of generosity. Let's pray. Our God and our Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for waking us up. Thank you for giving us breath. Truthfully, the very breath that we breathe is a generous gift from you because that is who you are. You are generous and you are good. Father, I pray this morning that in light of your generosity, we would live generously with those around us, that we would see that you truly own everything and that generosity is our noble heritage. God, help us to be generous with what we have. Help us not to get caught up in what we don't have. Help us to bless others. You have blessed us so much. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.